Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. I truly hope the ones that you have listened to have been an encouragement to you, and I pray that you've shared those with others. I pray you have received biblical insight from these episodes, and just thank you so much for being faithful to listen to these episodes. It truly is a blessing to me. And so for the past two episodes, we've been in a series looking at this idea of walking the Christian faith, and it's a series that I've been preaching at youth group at Beulah Baptist for eight weeks now, and we just concluded it. And so I just thought it was very fitting, the material that I was covering with the teenagers, uh, it's very fitting for any age Christian, and we have a lot of Christians who have never learned to walk in Jesus. And so we have a lot of people that are saved, but they've never really began their Christian walk after salvation. And so we looked from Colossians chapter 2 in the past couple of episodes, exactly what does Scripture have to say about our walk with Jesus And on this episode, we're going to continue that theme, and we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4, looking at the idea of walking in our calling. As Christians, we've all been called to something. We all have a calling placed on our life that we are to fulfill as we walk the Christian life. And so, Colossians 2 verse 6, to recap, claims that we're to walk in Jesus, and what I found to be true in my life, when I'm walking with Jesus, that is when I'm the happiest. And even though bad things might happen, it seems to be okay because I'm walking with Jesus. And it's our calling. It is your calling. It is commanded in Scripture for you as a Christian to walk in Jesus. And so looking at that today as well, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a lot of verses. We're going to look at the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4, but I want to look at this idea of walk in your calling. And the first aspect of that would be for us to walk worthy. So here's what Paul says, therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of your vocation wherewith ye are called. And so Paul begins very quickly in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says, here's what you are to do as a Christian. You're to walk worthy in your vocation. Paul begins by saying we're to walk worthy or upright in our vocation. The Greek word simply means calling. The Greek word for vocation means calling. And Ephesians, looking at it as, a, as, a, as the book as a whole, it's laid out beautifully. Chapters 1 through 3 are who we are in Jesus. Chapters 4 through 6 are what we do because of who we are. Ephesians 1 through 3, through 3, how God sees us in Christ. Ephesians 4 through 6, how the world should see Christ in us. Ephesians 1 through 3, our position in Christ. And Ephesians 4 through 6, our practical living or walking in Christ. So we could sum up the last three chapters of Ephesians as very practical, hands-on, here's how you live the Christian life. And he begins that by saying, hey, here's how you walk. Here's the beginning, and if we read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, there's a lot of here's how you walk as Paul gives this practical instruction. And so Paul begins this first section on how we are to practically walk in Christ by saying we are to walk daily in our calling. Now, you might be asking the question that I would ask when I read this passage. What is my calling? Well, we can answer that question two ways. The first way would be the calling that God has placed specifically 
on your life, where he's called you to be a witness at, the vocation, the job that he's called you to do. And I cannot answer that question for you. You can come to me and say, hey, Travis, what am I called to do with my life? And job-wise and ministry-wise, I can't give you an answer because I don't know what type of calling God has placed on your life. However, there are certain things that he has called us all to do that are part of our daily walk. Taking our minds back to Ephesians 1 for a moment, Paul says that we are called before the foundation of the world to be in Christ Jesus. Meaning simply, daily, here it is, we are to walk in our relationship with Jesus. So the theme of these episodes is to walk in Christ, and that's part of your calling. Listen, Jesus ought to be your best friend. Cliche thing to say, but he ought to be your best companion in life. We looked in one of the episodes before that he has a, a, what he has accomplished for you, and therefore because what he has accomplished and you are complete in him, we are to walk in him and him alone. Paul is the perfect example of this. He was currently, at the time of writing this letter, imprisoned in Rome. But notice how he introduces himself. He does not say, Paul, a prisoner of Rome. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why does he say that? Because he is in Christ, and no matter where he is at currently in his physical state, he is called to walk in Jesus and to make him known to all the world. And listen, today, if you're in the car, if you're at work, if you're walking and listening to this podcast, if you're sitting on the couch and listening to this podcast, the goal in your life is to walk in Jesus and to make him known to everyone you see, to everyone you encounter, to everyone you're, you know. Your life's calling is to make much of Jesus. That is currently your calling in life, your vocation in life. And before you are to know what you're going to do with your life in the future, before if a teenager, before you know what you're going to do with your life after high school, who you are to marry, how many kids you will have, etc., you first must learn to walk worthy in Jesus. And what does that look like to do this? And what does it mean? Some might ask. Simply means, hey, you, you grow in your relationship with Jesus. You understand how he would have you to live. Your daily walk should show Jesus to those you encounter because of who you are in Christ Jesus. That's how Ephesians is laid out so beautifully. One, two, and three. Here's who you are. Here's the riches you have in Christ. Here's the blessing that it is to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But just because you know all that, now you've got to live it out. Now you've got to go to work. Now you've got to share Jesus. Now you've got to walk with Jesus. Now you've got to talk and communicate and read scripture. We are to walk with him as our calling every single day. Second thing I want to point out from this passage is we're to walk in Christ likeness. Verse number two says this, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And so here, Paul, He's giving us a list of characteristics that are like Jesus in essence. And so Paul gives us a few descriptions here in verse 2. He says, with all lowliness, simply meaning humility, someone who is walking in Jesus is a humble individual and thinks of others more than self. For the church and the body to function, the body of Christ must be humble. So how humble was Jesus? Well, he was so humble he was willing to come to earth. Leave his home in heaven with the Father 
who was born of a virgin in a stable. He lived a poor life, for he did not know where he would lay his head each night. Also, he was a servant when he was rightfully the king. So the greatest example that we have is Jesus Christ. Far too often, we completely ignore the command to live a humble life. We seek to be exalted. We like the pats on the back. We like everyone bragging about us. And we like to live in pride, which is the American way. But we are further away from Jesus in our walk with him than we've ever been before when we're living in pride. But when we exhibit humility, we are more like him than ever before. We're walking closer to him as we simply begin to put on his character and walk in him as our savior. Second word that Paul uses is meekness. This simply means gentleness. Now this does not mean in our in living in our calling we're to be timid, we're to be shy, but rather the Greek word means to be self-controlled or not spout off in anger and rages, but to be gentle with those around us, especially unbelievers. Was Jesus meek? All of the time. He was not timid in the mission that he came to do. He was not timid in proclaiming new doctrine. He was not timid timid in proclaiming the gospel that he was about to fulfill, but he was saving and healing everywhere he went. The religious leaders of his day were mad at him. They did not like his teaching. They did not like the doctrine. But he was not backing down from truth, but yet he was gentle. So as Jesus was meek in dealing with people, even with Mary and Martha, he wept when Lazarus died. He was gentle and meek when he dealt with people that needed to be healed. When the paralytic man was lowered to the feet of Jesus, he said, Son, and in Matthew, he records, Son, uh, be of good cheer. That Greek word is for courage, literally mean, hey, child, you should have no fear at all. You're in the presence of the Savior. Then he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So if you study the Gospels, you look at the life of Jesus. He exhibited humility, but he also exhibited gentleness as he worked with people. And so far too often, we just want to make a point when we're witnessing or when we're, we think we're sharing the gospel. We want to make a point and we want to be right and we do not care how we are handling or representing Christ Jesus. I remember a time when I was in high school uh, there were people talking about social issues of the day, and I was probably a sophomore, and I did not know how to handle myself or how to properly represent Scripture or represent Christ. And so they were speaking of a sin, and I just blurted out, God calls that an abomination, and those people are going to burn in hell. And I now, looking back on that, I regret my attitude. Now, what Scripture says is true. The sin is a sin, but if I could have handled it with gentleness come to them and explaining exactly what scripture says, but at the same time explaining how much Jesus loves them and wants to pull them from that sin, they might have understood. They might have been more apt to listen to what I had to say. And Jesus, everywhere he went, was a gentle individual. As he walked in his calling, he was gentle. The next word Paul uses is long-suffering. This simply means to have patience. How do we handle this characteristic of Christ? Let me be honest. This is one that I struggle with probably the most on this list. There are times when the microwave is too slow for me. It seems like every single time I get in the car, I get behind the person going 35 miles an hour. I was on the way uh, to a Bible study just this morning, and I got behind a car going 35 miles an hour. And I thought to myself, the speed limit's 55. 
just pushed the gas pedal down. So I found the rightful passing lane and I passed them. But long suffering, patience. The question is, is and was Jesus patient? Absolutely. He was patient with people when he was on earth. He's patient with us today. We sin. We wrong him. We fail to walk in him daily. And yet he is still loving and patient, waiting on us to turn to him. He has given the world 2,000 years ago the avenue to believe on him, and he's still waiting. He has every right to say enough, enough with the sin, enough with the the, the wickedness and cast the world into hell. But he's a patient, long-suffering Savior. And that's how we ought to be. We ought to be patient with the people we witness to. We get so aggravated when they don't want to listen to what we're saying. They don't want to grab hold of the gospel. And we get so aggravated. Hey, just believe on it. But Jesus was patient with us. Jesus is patient with them, and we ought to exhibit the character of Jesus and be patient with those we encounter. Then Paul uses the word for bearing one another in love. This means to accept each other in love. Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins. When you love like Jesus, you forgive like Jesus. And Jesus in his essence, Jesus and who he is and was on earth is the definition of love. When we like to talk about true love, a lot of times we think of earthly people and a friendship type of love, but that's not exactly true love. Jesus showed us true love by coming to earth, giving himself for us, dying for us so that we could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And so let us have a love like Jesus for the lost because Jesus' heartbeat as he was giving his life on the cross, his heart was beating for the lost. His heart was beating for us as lost and wicked sinners. And so let us love like Jesus for the lost. That is what Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. When we share the heart of Jesus, we begin to love like Jesus. And we, when we see the world as souls needing him, we are more apt to be patient and to forgive and to show them the love of Christ. Here's the thing about each of these words that Paul lays out in verse 2. They are all characteristics of Jesus Christ. He perfectly embodied each of these. And now, through the Holy Spirit, writing through Paul, these words, how we are to live them out, he has called us to walk in him and to live out his characteristics as we walk in our relationship with him. If we're going to walk in Jesus Christ, we must, we must begin to look like him. That is sanctification. The Spirit of God taking the Word of God and make us like the Son of God. And when we walk in Him, we are becoming like Him. And that should be our desire. We should desire every day to exhibit and to embody and to show Christ to the world by putting on His characteristics and giving out His Word to others. You know, Christian, it can be summed down to simply mean little Christ. We are to go around showing Christ to the world. Now, we're not perfect like him, but we are to share his character and exhibit his character to the lost world. The third thing I want us to see is this. We're to walk in unity. So we're to walk worthy. We're to walk in Christ likeness, but then we're to walk in unity. And so I read the verses earlier. Paul gives us one more and final characteristic of Jesus, attempting to keep 
the unity. Today, Satan has a goal, and that is to tear apart the unity in the church. If you look around at the church at large, people do not agree on on anything anymore. And the truth is, if we are bearing the name of Jesus, we are to be in unity with other believers. Satan likes to tell tell you that you're alone in this, that you have no one to help you. But that is a major lie from the enemy. We have fellow brothers and sisters who are of like faith. And Paul says that we have seven one statements that we all have in common as a believer. So if you're a believer in Jesus, we share these together. So the truth here is you're not alone. You have a body of believers around you. And so Paul goes on to say there is one body, the body of Christ that we are all in together. When we're baptized into the body, we're all saved by Christ. Then he says one spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. So what do we have in common? We're in the same body. We have the same spirit. Then Paul says we have one hope. The only hope that we all have in this world is the hope of the gospel. Without the gospel, we are hopeless. And so Paul says there's one hope, and every believer comes to this one hope to find help in one Lord. That one Lord, that is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all, and through him we have salvation. But how do we attain salvation? Through one faith. The world will tell you there are many different places for you to put your faith. There's not. To go to heaven and have eternal life, your faith must be in the one Lord, Jesus Christ. We have one faith, one Lord, one hope, one spirit, one body. Then he says one baptism. This is a spiritual baptism, not water baptism. And when we are saved and we place our faith in the one Jesus, we are baptized into the body and into the family of God. Then then Paul says we have one God and one Father. One God that planned and loved us enough to send Jesus to save us. And then Paul says we are all unified because we all have the same salvation. We have the same Jesus. We have the same Lord. We have the same spirit. We have the same faith. We have the same hope. We have the same baptism. We have the same God. We have the same Father. We're not different. We share together the same God and Father, the same baptism, the same faith, the same Lord, the same hope, the same spirit, the same body. And Satan's going to come to you and say, hey, you're alone. Satan's going to come to you while you're trying to walk in your calling and exhibit Christ's likeness, and he's going to say, you're by yourself. No, you're not. We all share in these seven one statements, and we all minister differently, absolutely, but we share the same mission. We share to be on mission for Jesus Christ, and that's the point Paul is bringing out in the next few verses, and the beautiful thing is we all share in salvation, so we have unity. But we must understand that unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does not mean uniformity. You do not have to do things like I do to be effective for Christ. And I don't have to do things like you do to be effective for Christ. You just have to walk in Jesus. And so I hear so many people saying all the time, Travis, I can't walk in Jesus. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the evangelist. Or I'm not the Sunday school teacher even. So I can't walk in Christ. Listen, he's given us all a calling to make much of Jesus. He's called us to put on Christ's likeness. He said we have unity in him and him alone. And so simply, we're to walk in Jesus. There's so many Christians who fail to exhibit Christ's likeness, fail to keep the unity because Satan has entered your mind. And he said, you're alone. You can't do this. And he stopped you from after salvation walking in Jesus. 
And I want to end with this by jumping all the way down to verse 13. And it says this, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of, of, the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, we're called to unity. Here Paul answers the question as to how we walk in unity and to how we walk in Christ at all, actually. We must come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Some would say this means salvation, but I believe Paul is saying when we learn about who Jesus is, we learn about his character, we learn so much about him, then we're growing and we're walking. So remember the first week I said in order to walk, you must be reading and studying the word on the first episode? That's still the truth. You will not become like Christ and share in his unity unless you're first reading about him and studying about him. You know what it's like, and I've probably said it on the podcast before. The more you are around someone, a husband and a wife, a friend, a family member, you begin to take on their character. You will say a word like they say, or or you will have an accent like them, or, or whatever the case. You start acting like them in some regard. When you read scripture day in and day out, his character starts to become your character. And you start to exhibit walking worthy in your calling, exhibiting his Christ likeness, walking in unity because you understand you're not alone. You have other believers, other brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking the same walk you are right now. So I know I said we were going to cover uh, down through verse 16, but I think this is a good stopping point. And so we will pick up where we left off on the next episode and conclude with verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 4 to continue looking at our walk in Jesus. So I hope this has been an encouragement. I hope you spread the good news of Jesus. I hope you exhibit Christ's likeness. And I hope that you keep the unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm praying for you. And as always, have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.